podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Propo. Looking at, well, actually, let's take the history of the NFL, not just the last 10 years, the history of the NFL. Could you list the greatest catches ever made in the history of the NFL? <laughs> well, I think I mean, you've got, got, got to... Beckham's one-hander, right? Beckham's one-hander. I think Jefferson's earlier this year against the mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills. I think that has to go into it. Uh, Tyrese from the Super Bowl. Yeah, fair. All good. All definitely on the shortlist. I'm not saying we're going to... I mean, we've got the catch, of course, has got to be on, yes, on and any shortlist. I'm not saying we're going to pick one, but... My follow-up question is, would you have Njoku. David Njoku's catch against... I mean, uh, fair, right? Fair to say that's automatically in the top 10 catches of all time, right? Do you know what's so funny about it is I knew, because obviously you're doing this World Cup show, which is going really well, it's amazing. I knew that you weren't going to have as firm eyes as you usually do on this game. And I knew, right. I was sitting, I was doing the Red Zone show on TalkSport 2 with Will Gavin and CSW. Brilliant show, by the way, earlier in the week with CSW. Go check that out. And he, Christian Scott Williamson, that is. And he, and I saw them making that late drive. They were unable to get any offense really going throughout the day. They weren't really able to run on the Bucks like everyone was expecting. They were turning the ball over. The Bucks defense was balling and it looked like, a good bet. At the time, they had seven-point cushion. It looked like you had the spread on I'm your home. side. I'm home. You're home. And then, obviously, suddenly they end up in the red zone, and it's fourth and ten. That's all we see. That's all we see. We don't see any of the drive. We just see it's the red zone, and they're fourth and ten, or fourth and goal. And it's Jacoby Brissett literally just lobbing one up and hoping, and then Joku manages to bring it in. And at that point, I knew the Bucks weren't going to score a touchdown in the overtime. I was like, <laughs> that minus three and a half is gone. And I was just like, the worst thing about it is... I just wanted you to be sitting across me so badly <laughs> just to see your reaction when it did happen because that was a vintage Nat Coombs bad beat. It was. the Maybe the greatest of all Nat Coombs bad beats. Yeah. The, the brilliance of it was, as you say, I'm doing this this World Cup show and this is a show that's going out in in North America, right? Canada, Canada, America. And we're recording it. It's not live, but we're recording all kinds of different things from a studio in London and then it gets fired out uh, over on a daily basis, a daily show, right? So I'm doing that afternoons and evenings, essentially every night. So Sunday, I was thinking, you know, I've got, I've got to keep an eye on a lot of things. But so I had Red Zone on as the way we weren't filming all the times and watching obviously the World Cup games, but in the studio, I had Red Zone on my iPad, so I was keeping a fairly close eye on things. And uh, there was about a half hour window when I went from this is in the bag to the next thing I remember. I have a, we did an interview with somebody and I went back, checked my phone and I saw loads of messages from you, including a message just of ellipsis. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that was bad news. And then I, I, you told me what happened on WhatsApp and I went and looked it up and I just sat there in silence for about a minute. Then I started laughing to myself. Maybe they thought I was cracking up given all these <laughs> daily shows I'm doing and this, the, the strain of the schedule. Anyway, bad beat central. You try and explain to Tim Sherwood about your Drew Locks of the Week and the bad beat. <laughs> Tim Sherwood wasn't particularly interested in that. Although Asmir Begovic in the house yesterday, he was, Asmir, uh, we were talking football, uh, the World Cup before we started rolling. And after about five minutes, he said, I just want to talk NFL with you. <laughs> we, just yeah. up, we just ended up sp- t- chatting for about 40 minutes about NFL and then realised 
got to record a whole thing, a whole thing, and so kind of scrambled around there. Um, yeah, so bad beat, but good news. Uh, Edge Rush crew, uh, well, uh, lots of good news really. Firstly, Crystal Tom Collins, are we going with Crystal? We- he he loves Crystal, so I'm going with Crystal. Mm. Crystal, and also last week, I think if. Crystal had gone sort of 0-2 with the Acker and the Drew Lock of the Week last week. It would have been quite hard to maintain Crystal, the Crystal nickname, mm. Crystal Collins nickname. But because we give him the Crystal Collins nickname and then he goes and wins the Acker, he mm. goes and wins his Drew Lock of the Week going with the Commanders again against the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, Crystal is flying right now. He is unbeaten currently on the Edge Rush podcast. Unbeaten 5-0 with his Drew Locks. The Taylor Heineke Acker is absolutely smashing. Did Crystal... Back to back, Taylor Heineke Acker. So obviously he's going to be running that again. We're going to be giving those propos, prop bets, picking three games, our Drew Locks as well. Are we going to give him the Baker Bad Beats as well? Or is he doing a Baker Bad Beats? He hasn't done a Baker Bad Beats mm. or a Baker Bold Pick, I think it's called. Bold pick. Baker, yeah, Bold Pick. Baker Bold Pick. But the good news about the Baker Bold Pick is I won my Baker Bold Pick uh, last week. I did. I had the Jacksonville Jaguars to beat the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, right. And your and Drew Locke came in as well. That. My Drew Locke came in, which was the under in the Carolina Panthers-Denver Broncos game. I think the Denver Broncos have now gone... I think under in every game? Yeah, it's two and something like two and nine in unders right now. It's absolutely insane. Um, or oh, sorry, nine and two and unders. And so, yeah, that has... That I'm, was I'm that way around. I'm the one with that record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just to be clear. Well, uh, we're going to get into that. That's going to put a smile on the face of the unders king of Plumpton, of course. Hey, listen, before we get down to business, a couple of things. Uh, firstly, I want to shout out... James and Courtney. James Burton listens to the show and he got in touch with us via Instagram. We should have done this last week, but we've just established we've, we've all been busy. You've been caning it as well with the World Cup too. So apologies, James, for the tardiness, but hopefully this will do the trick. He says, hi, Nat and the gang. Love the pod. I was just wondering if it would be possible for a quick shout out on your show as and he says his name, James, a Bengals fan, sort of proper, obviously, uh, Good for you. Uh, and my girlfriend, Courtney, a Steelers fan, managed to get over to the States and watch the game in Pittsburgh, which we loved, and also got engaged 48 hours prior to the game in Chicago. So it was a fantastic trip. Oh, amazing. Shout out. Congratulations, James and Courtney. Yeah, that is insane. Do you think on uh, any stage on after they got engaged, the night they got engaged, they put on the pod to celebrate. <laughs> How loyal are you as a fan, James? Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be great. Well, shout out to you, James and Courtney. Yes, love that, and keep those stories coming in because those are good news stories, and we need a few of those right now. Do you so. know what we could potentially sort out if? Mm. Uh, I mean, obviously they'd have to approve of this, but this is just me spitballing ideas here. Mm-hmm. We could definitely get Carlson ordained, can we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, we could. I okay. Let's we'll get the social crew to reach out to James in case because he's probably not listening to this. He's probably listened to one episode of the show. Yeah. <laughs> he, actually, he actually specifically asked for a shout on the on the preview show last week, so he's probably, yeah. he's probably really annoyed that he didn't get the shout out. And now he's not. James, if you're listening, if you're Courtney, you're listening. Then get in touch with us. Um, we, I think we should actually look into that. Yeah, I I'd, I'd love that. Imagine Kat Carlson. Although the only issue is, is obviously the wedding day. Criminal is record. To... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the wedding is meant to be all about the groom and the bride, obviously. And Carlson would find a way to make it all about him. He'd probably start talking about his best bets on the Betfair podcast while <laughs> marrying them. <laughs> it would be all about him. He would, he would, the father of the bride, the best man speech. Carlson yeah. would just, okay, all right, let me let me head, they take this over. 
Oh, brilliant. All right. There's one I... time with Bill Belichick in college. <laughs> <laughs> so I old tied him. Old coach in college. I went out with his daughter. Um, I love this. I love this. Let's get Carson updated to marry Courtney. Uh, uh, Courtney and James. Okay. This is one more from Twitter at the NC show from Al. Oh, Ali. Sorry. My bad. Ali. Ali Nichols asks, question for Edrush. Well, you're in the right place. When Propo talks about the money versus tickets, mm. where does he get this information from? Now, Propo, are you going to divulge your secrets here? Yeah, I'm going to divulge my secrets. PFF. Mm. PFF uh, subscription. I have a PFF subscription and they have betting tools, actually, which are very useful for... They have PFF Greenline NFL, which tells you where the cash and where the tickets are going. You can either or subscribe to Action Network. They're basically various sites that do give you this information. There are They usually give you like a couple of them for free, and then which is like to entice you to then subscribe. But then usually you do require a subscription service to get this level of sort of insight, I guess. And I get it from PFF, but you can get it from also someone like the Action Network. I'm sure there are other places mm. that you can get it, but it is very helpful. So yeah, that is that is where I get it. And it's, um yeah, it's use- useful. They also have it for college as well. So they mm-hmm. give you what they think that where there's value, they give you sort of best bets as well. They have a player props angle as well, which obviously I like, but I tried to follow. I was very intrigued by their... um I was very intrigued by how much sort of value they said there was in all the unders in the rushing props in the Green mm. Bay uh, Philadelphia game. So I was like, that's interesting. I'm going to pay like close attention to that. And obviously Jalen Hurts broke the record for rushing. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, so I was like, okay, at least PFF also get it wrong sometimes as well. Uh, occasionally. So that's where you go. I, uh, as I think listeners will know, and we've established on the show, I go to... Uh, AZ Central, AZ mm. Central. And I thought uh, before we get into the three games we're going to pick, we're recording this Thursday, Thursday night football tonight, Bills Patriots, right? Yes. So this should go out ahead of the game. We should be publishing this before that game. So if you want a, an extra steer, an extra bit of edge for that game, look no further than, than AZ Central's game, game preview, uh, which is as follows. <laughs> the Patriots really need to win this game to help their chances at making the playoffs. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we Jeez. just don't see that happening. The Bills will be too much. I mean, to be fair, I'm back in the Bills. So I I'm also with the Bills, actually. Sharp money is, of course, on New England in this, as it always seems to be. It always seems to be sharp money on New England. But I like the Buffalo Bills at three and a half. I think that's decent. Do you think AZ Central is one of those uh, AI kind of programs that you just basically spit, that can write you an essay? <laughs> it's just really right. You SEO. Don't they take it from everywhere else though? Isn't that the whole they, point? Don't they just take parts of other people's articles? I think they do, but just like, yeah, that's right. Random quotes. Then out. Of yeah. Context, they literally just take random quotes. They're probably going to forget some of yours from SBK. But, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually I've got to be really just, careful. Yeah, yeah. You'll just suddenly be reading it and be like, this guy sounds like an absolute idiot. And let's see who it is. <laughs> that Coombs, SBK article. Generic <laughs> hot take. Crash. I love it. I think All Tom right. Brady will beat the Browns because yeah. it's Tom Brady. Tom, yeah, Tom Brady's have a, had a difficult season off the field. Or yeah, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers isn't connecting with his receivers this season. <laughs> so they, so the, the Packers will drop. Uh, okay, let's go. Let's go Washington, New York Giants to lead off. Washington, very much one of the, the form teams of the NFL. Of course, six out of seven they've won. And in this slugfest in the NFC East, of course, where all four teams currently in the playoff mix, right? Uh, the Giants trending in the wrong direction. Now... The good news, I guess, and we've talked a lot about whether at some point the day of reckoning was going to come for this brilliant story to the Giants. Nobody figured they'd be in a playoff spot going into week 13. 
Dayball's been incredible. We've got into all of that. Limited, limited weapons around him. A lackluster quarterback. Sure, he's had Saquon resurgent and charging, but incredible what he's done. We know we know this, right? But we figured we figured out for a long time might be might be difficult for them to sustain this given their limitations. Now, good news for New York is that they beat a bit banged up, and particularly on the line, they could have Evan Neal back. Mm-hmm. Bellinger as well is quite a key part of that offense. Could be back as well. And they need that because the offensive line in the latest PFF ranking, speaking of PFF rank 30th out of 32. So it is a weak link, I think it's fair to say. And the ground game is starting to, we're starting to see it getting stifled. So 100%. we talked about Saquon incredible when he's rolling, not really much plan B. And you look at the passing attack and the stats, irrespective of where you land, Precisely on Daniel Jones, some people, I don't think anyone thinks he's a top tier quarterback, but some people feel he's better than advertised, has a lot of potential. And actually, because he's a dual threat kind of player too, doesn't really have many weapons around him. It's hard to judge him. Bad line, not really many weapons around him, but look at the numbers, right? So he's attempted 15 deep passes, deep passes being a pass of 20 or more yards. He's completed just six of those, under 50% on deep. They're last in the NFL for plays, for deep plays of 20 plus yards. And they just have four plays of 40 plus yards. Darius Slayton is the only receiver really doing anything. So if you weigh all this up, very little going with the passing game. The ground game stalled. This Washington front, the team are rolling anyway. And we haven't even got into the great Taylor Heineke. This looks like a really good spot for Washington, doesn't it? It's really interesting that because... My instinct going into this game, even before the line was released, was I'm going to take the New York Giants, sort of no matter what the line was, because Mm. it's a very quintessential buy low, sell high. You've got two teams who I don't think, despite their current records, are necessarily teams that are going to be contending to go deep in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. As much as I love Taylor Heineke, we have so much love for him on this show. I do expect some regression at some points, and we saw that a little bit last week as well. He had some errant throws, and I think he got away with quite a bit last week but at the same time as it is with Taylor Heineke also had some sensational throws and I thought that when you're looking at a divisional home underdog with the Giants getting two and a half points here which is the current line I'll be taking the Giants every single day of the week mm-hmm. that's plus two and a half and I, that's what I thought going into this but as you just quite rightly pointed out this is actually a terrible matchup for the New York Giants and it's a great matchup for the Washington Commanders the Commanders haven't necessarily been getting that much going in the air outside of that connection between Taylor Haneke and Terry McLaurin, which didn't necessarily connect too much last week, but they have been running the ball a considerable amount. 62% of plays from scrimmage in the red zone, especially since week nine, have all been running. That's the fifth highest in the NFL and the Giants in that exact same time span have allowed six rushing touchdowns in the red zone, which is tied for most in the NFL. Saquon, as you've already said, they're not getting anything going on the ground. He's averaged only 38 yards a game and two and a half yards a carry in the last three games. Obviously, Washington didn't necessarily perform that well against the run last week against the Atlanta Falcons, but the Atlanta Falcons are one of the best rushing teams in this league. That's all they really want to do. And Arthur Smith is well-renowned for being able to create an excellent run scheme that can sort of break down even the best rushing defenses. But the Which issue is basically is, give Cordell Patterson the ball. That's yeah, his, exactly. Uh, give Cordell Patterson. Also, the ball. they're ranked. They're ranked. They're top ten run D in terms of 
yards allowed, right? Yeah. Washington. So. Uh, defensively, the Giants rank 22nd in yards allowed, and mm. they haven't even played against Philly's number four ranked offense yet. So that's an issue. They haven't even gone against Philadelphia. So the Giants' schedule has definitely helped them and inflated their record. So if they can't defend against the run, which they haven't been able to, they've been giving up 5.2 yards a carry. They rank 22nd in passing yards allowed. Realistically, defensively, they're playing so poorly that you struggle to see any way that they can stop this Washington Commanders team right now, which have got a lot of confidence. They're going to have Terry McLaurin out there. They've got Logan Thomas back playing well. He seems to be a bit of an issue and he's creating more issues for sort of more open holes for the other tight ends. It suddenly becomes a quite an enticing prospect to have Washington under that three point spread, which we've always said is so important. And you can also argue, okay, the New York giants are going to be well rested. They're coming off a long week, but teams in this well rested situation playing a team on a normal or short rest are only 18, 13 and one against the spread this season, Mm. including one and five in the past three weeks. So that has proven to not be as beneficial as we've seen in the past couple of seasons. So as much as you would think that this is a perfect buy low, sell high spot on both sides. You buy the Giants as low as people are thinking of them right now because Giants have kind of retracted to the mean in the way Mm. that we expected and Washington are actually overperforming right now. At the same time, you look at this and you say that the commanders are just a lot more talented than the New York Giants. That defensive front is sensational. Their secondary is playing significantly better and they're going up against a Daniel Jones who hasn't, who's only had what, 10 touchdowns? for passing this season, type mm. of third fewest in the league. I think it's only Russell Wilson who's below him pretty much at this no, point. No, surely yeah. not Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's probably Russell Wilson and Davis Mills who are the two people below him. So when you've got mm. that much of an advantage and obviously, yes, Brian Dable's been an incredible coach. He's going up against Ron Rivera who's also sensational. So I think both two contenders for the coach of the year at this moment mm-hmm. in time, you'd have to say, I am... I was honestly going to definitely go with the New York Giants when I was kind of going into this. It was my instinct. But at this moment in time, I think I've flipped my pick now. I think this, Mm. from a matchup perspective, it suits the commanders. You know what? I love everything you said. The line is two and a half, right? Hasn't moved to three. Nope. I'm going to roll in straight away, straight off the bat, Propo. This is my Drew Lock of the Week, Washington. Really? Mm-hmm. You did this they exact got... same thing last week. I just want to point that out. First game we discussed. Yeah. Just you, wasn't are for... you just getting really it impulsive now? wasn't for the greatest catch of all time. Let <laughs> 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 it come in. Heine, one other thing for you, because the Giants love a blitz, right? Heineke, 68% completion rate and no turnovers when he's facing five or more. Mm. So really? this is, oh, they're going to get to Heineke. They're going Because this is the key for the Giants, I think, is Heineke he'll cough up the ball. There'll be turnovers. That's how they'll win the game. I'm not so sure there will be. I know it's a high risk play when Taylor Heineke, but we love Heineke. I'm at this stage of the season where, Hey, I don't, I don't care anymore. I'm just going, no, I'm big on Washington in this spot. And I know it's the line as well. I'm playing it's under three. Give me Washington. Two and a half. Yeah, the other thing that's been really impressive from Taylor Heineke, especially in the uh, way he's improved this offense compared to Carson Wentz is in Wentz's six starts. He was, sacked 23 times and in Heineke's six games he's been sacked only nine times so it's less Mm. than half and he hasn't been sacked at all in the past two games so Mm -hmm. it is looking like 
this Washington team is for real to a certain extent and this New York Giants isn't. And obviously the fact that the Giants are so banged up, it's likely that Chase Young is going to come back for the Commanders this weekend. So with those two things in mind, it looks like the Commanders is a very strong play. The other thing to consider is these two teams combined for or have combined this season for 15 and eight for the under. So under 40 and a half, maybe a number to look at here as well. All right. Raiders, Chargers, where we're going next. Back-to-back wins for the Raiders. So things are looking up, kiddo. You'll love this, right? This is shout out to True Media Sports and via uh, either the Athletics Twitter feed or one of their journals, but it's they credited it to True Media. So the Chargers defense right now. Oh, it's awful. Have you seen this? Have you seen this number? Run defense. They're averaging 5.53 yeah. per carry, right? Yeah. That is the worst average for any defense since the year 2000. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And they're going up against Josh Jacobs, who's what averaging 5.2 yards per carry on the ground this year himself. It is unbelievably bad. So just to double down on that. So 29th in DVOA, 28th in EPA per play. The Raiders got 283 rushing yards last time out. However, Jacobs is an injury concern. We expect, we're recording this Thursday, as we said, we're expecting him to play. Yeah. Yeah, think there's any any concern there at all? That I mean, it, it, uh, where are you on this? Firstly, what's the line? They- so the line is currently the Raiders obviously at home. Yeah, they are getting one and a half points currently. The over under is at fifty and a half. Two things to consider here is twenty twenty two underdogs in division are currently thirty three and twenty against the spread, and the Raiders are five and one against the spread in their last six games against AFC West opponents. Hmm. Okay. What's the total? The total is over and under 50 and a half, which is a very interesting one because mm. people usually associate these two teams with high scoring games because obviously you've got high, high um, powered offenses and quite uh, sort of anemic defenses to say the least, especially that secondary for the Raiders should be torched here by Justin Herbert with him getting Keenan Allen back. We're still yet to know whether or not we're going to see Mike Williams this weekend, which obviously would be a big addition on the other side. Obviously you've got Josh Jacobs who is limited in practice practice but I expect him to play like he suddenly just turned up on the injury report last week and everyone was mm. kind of saying maybe it's time to dump or, uh, jump off the Raiders at this point if they don't have Josh Jacobs going against a Seahawks team that can't stop the run and then he played and obviously had an insane amount of yards and two touchdowns and won the game for them with that incredible overtime um, run I think Nat though this is going to be my Drew Lock of the week That is it really I'm going to take the Raiders, the Raiders at plus Are one you? and a half. Are yeah. I'm that way you, and look at panic when I mentioned Jacob's injury. <laughs> so yeah, because I was suddenly looking at it and I was like, for Jacob's injury, that is does yeah. massively affect this. But obviously he's limited in practice on the Wednesday. I think that he should be absolutely fine, especially because like, what else have they got to lose at this point? It's not like they're preparing for the playoffs. It's very much a win or die mentality for the Raiders going yeah. up to this point. The Chargers, I think, I thought that what we saw from the Cardinals Chargers game, I found so fascinating and it was so interesting to watch because it was just the two most fraudulent teams going up against each other in terms of they've both got two incredibly talented quarterbacks mm-hmm. who have just been put into a situation where they have not been allowed to flourish. Yes, they've been given weapons on the offense, but I think that's almost papered over the cracks of the fact that they both got really bad defenses and they both got terrible coaching staffs in terms of providing them with what they can do on the pitch. And so like even like Joe Burrow, for example, you'd argue, I know I slate Zach Taylor a lot on this show, but at the same time, he's still got a very good defense. You saw what they did mm. against the t- Titans last week when they've got DJ Reader out there and when you've got Lou and Arumo calling the defensive plays, 
they give Joe Burrow the opportunity to go out and win games for them. Mm-hmm. The Chargers don't really seem to be able to do that, especially when you're that bad at defending the run because it means Josh, Justin Herbert is kept off the field for such a significant amount of game time and it means he isn't able to complete the throws and make the incredible throws that we've seen him do throughout this season so far. And I think that there will be the opportunity for Max Crosby to be able to get some pass rush. He was absolutely sensational last week against the Seahawks and against a better offensive line as far as I'm concerned than this Chargers one. I think that the Raiders at home, that atmosphere is going to be electric. It's going to be all Raiders fans. It's going to be mm-hmm. incredibly loud in there, especially if Mike Williams doesn't play. I think Raiders at home, underdog, taking one and a half points, I'll take it. Lock it up. It's a good argument. Okay, here's one for you. Slightly more left field <laughs> than your Drew Lock of the week. I wrote, actually, you mentioned SBK. Uh, my column for SBK. That's what I wrote about this week. That is, we're going to put that link in the show notes about the playoff race, right? And where teams are at, run-ins and this weekend's matchups, everything else. So really drilling down into that for the article, right? And to the most part, I think the playoff picture in the AFC stays as it is, right? I Mm -hmm. think the six teams that are in the spots right now stay as they are. The only possible change I feel is the Jets, who currently sit in seventh at the time of recording. And then, of course, the Chargers are gunning for that seven spots so are the Pats. And then we've pretty much written everyone else off. Now, just humor me a minute, and I haven't gone on record as saying this, but if you like the Raiders in this spot, yeah, that, they moved to five and seven. Mm-hmm. They've then got the Rams, the Patriots, yeah. and the Steelers. I mean, there'd be three in a row starting to get some mojo. The Patriots, McDaniel going up against Belichick. The Rams are sucking. The Steelers aren't much cop. I mean, we could be in a situation, right, where they are eight and seven coming into the final two games of the season. They have the that's where this where it gets tricky. The 49ers and the Chiefs. However, the Chiefs, the final game of the season, could be resting starters. They've yeah. got the number one seed locked up. It's not outside the realms of possibility, is it? That the Raiders sneak in that backdoor spot for the seventh playoff spot. My prediction is is that if the Raiders beat the Chargers on Sunday and they go on to beat the Rams next week, which is obviously very likely. We don't know if Stafford will play that game. That no matter what the line is, my Drew Lock of the Week will be the Patriots to cover the spread. Against the <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to back me, man, and say, Sorry, I think you're right now. I think you're no, absolutely not. There's no <laughs> chance in hell that I would be taking with Daniels over, over Bill Belichick. Belichick in that spot. Yeah. I think that is the that would be a, a gambler's dream to have everyone so high on this really talented Raiders offense, this really talented <laughs> team on their resurgence, going up against yeah. a Patriots team that might lose to the Bills tonight. Who knows what they're going to do next week? That would be the perfect spot for you to just back the Patriots there, back Bill Belichick with the points and just yeah, clean up. <laughs> okay, I did say it was a left field theory. All right, next up, those aforementioned New York Jets. Against Minnesota, mm, interesting spot here. The Mike White era started promisingly. I think everyone's getting way too carried away with the Mike White era. They did last year, though. Well, the same thing happened last year. You're yeah. right. Yeah. The Everybody. same thing happened last year. Uh, this Jets defense against Kirk, that's the big story, right? I mean, it's a top five defense um, in so many different le- and so many different att- uh, statistical attributes, right? They are... Uh, they're looking good. They're causing turnovers or generating them. Fourth in interceptions, fourth in points allowed per game, fifth in yards allowed per game. I mean, it is a Salah-led, no-nonsense defense. 
So how do you like this Vikings? I mean, the Vikings at nine and two, I and mean, what the hell is going on there? They had outlandishly overrated in terms of record versus reality. Also, against the spread this season, five, five and one against the spread, uh, the Vikings. What is the line? So the line is currently Minnesota Vikings getting three points. So the, sorry, no, the Jets are getting three points. The Minnesota Vikings are laying three points. The over-under is at 44 and a half. This is a bit of a pros-Joe game. Most of the pros are on the New York Jets. Most of the Joes are on the Minnesota Vikings, which is interesting considering mm. that I think it feels almost a little bit like a trap in the sense where you've got Minnesota Vikings who are nine and two, and they're only getting three points at home against a New York Jets team that, yes, this is the Mike White era, but don't forget Mike White did that against the worst defense in the NFL right now in the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. New York Jets, yes, defensively, they've been very, very impressive, but that has been predominantly against run first teams, which this Minnesota Vikings team isn't. And when we see the New York Jets go up against a pass first team like the Cincinnati Bengals, they kind of got torched, although that was a lot sort of that was a long time ago in the season so I guess you could argue they've developed since then the New York Jets Mm. sort of staple game defensively was that one against the Bills where they were very impressive does that look as impressive now considering some of the Bills struggles that we've seen since then it's it's a really fascinating matchup because you could argue on one side of it that the Jets defense is too strong as you've already pointed out to for too strong for it to get dominated by this Vikings offense that we've seen dominate teams throughout this season so far. Justin Jefferson, obviously going up against Source Gardner, that's the matchup. That's probably the matchup of the week, sort of man to man. I think everyone will be wanting to watch that and see how that goes. Mm. And that's why this number is the way it is because. I think the Jets will be able to get significant pass rush because the Minnesota Vikings are banged up on the offensive line. We saw that offensive line get exposed against the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think this pass rush is nearly as good as the Dallas Cowboys. So I don't think there's as much of an impact there. Darasaw, who's an important tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, he's currently on the injury report. So that is one to monitor. I've been flipping between this two, this game uh, pretty much all week, just mm. trying to work out which side I am on. And I think that when it comes down to it, Ultimately, I'm going to back a Mike White regression. Mm. I think, I think I can't see him performing the same to the same level as he did last week. Last week was at home. It was against the Chicago Bears. This is going to Minnesota. There's going to be a lot mm-hmm. more pressure. There's a lot more expectation on him. And yes, long week as well for Minnesota, right? Long week as well for Minnesota. And as much as this is obviously going up against the what the worst passing defense in terms of passing yards allowed per game, and Garrett Wilson is sensational. Sandrini pointed out on FFS only a couple of weeks ago that he was his sort of number one rookie in terms of the future for fantasy and mm. I can after seeing his performance last week you can see exactly why he was brilliant I think he could have a big game against this Minnesota Vikings defense which is poor but at the same time that like you'd have to expect Justin Jefferson Dalvin Cook Adam Thielen TJ Hawkinson you'd have to expect them to at least dominate to some extent this New York Jets defense which has been electrical season but they haven't been able to really come up against any of the big, big offensive firepowers in this league, aside from the Bills, who haven't looked as good since that game. And as much as UK, fine, if you really think this Jets defense is that strong, you probably would put, what, in a par with the Minnesota, with the uh, New England Patriots defense? And what did the Minnesota Mm -hmm. Vikings do at home in primetime against that defense last week? They tore them apart. Mm, I, I really like the Vikings in this spot, I have to say. I think it is a Mike White regression Game three points at home, which basically makes it a pick and crazy. I like I like the Vikings. Three I know is a dangerous line. I I will probably take it, 
at three. I like I like Minnesota a lot here. Uh, shout out to Mike McCartney because we mentioned Kirk Cousins earlier, the greatest agent in sports entertainment. Uh, any action on the total there? So, do you know what's really interesting is the, I think, it's funny, if you're backing the Jets, back the under as well, you mm-hmm. know, because like, I think if the Jets win this game, it's going under 44 and a yeah, half. Yeah. yeah. It's going under 44 and a half. If they cover this spread, it's going under 44 and a half. But if you like the Minnesota Vikings, I think you have to take the over and you have to expect mm-hmm. the Vikings to be able to put up points. I expect Mike White to potentially be able to put up points. He's got enough there on his offense and the Vikings defense really is that bad. Mm-hmm. The, the Jets may be able to get something going on offense. So I think, that's the way if you you might as well if you're going to go with the Vikings you could probably have a little flutter on the over as well if you're going Jets probably have a little flutter on the under I think it's going to be one of two okay time for Crystal Tom Collins is Drew Lock of the week hi lads Crystal here clocking in for week 13 the Washington Commanders continued the unbeaten Drew Lock of the week streak on Sunday let's now make it six and zero. I can't wait for the Miami Dolphins versus San Francisco game this week, and I'm here to tell you to take the 49ers minus four. San Francisco have won their last four games by a total score of 104 to 40. They have been completely dominant on both sides of the ball. They showed flashes of offensive brilliance against the Cardinals in week 11, while their week 12 victory over the Saints showed that this team has the defensive quality to make a long playoff run. Elijah Mitchell's injury will force Kyle Shanahan to give the ball to Christian McCaffrey, and we know what that man can do. Meanwhile, their defence has given up the fewest total yards per game, fewest rushing yards per game, and fewest points per game. The Miami Dolphins enter this matchup on a five-game winning streak, but beating the Steelers, Bears, Lions, Browns, and Texans doesn't take much. They lost momentum and rhythm in the second half against Houston on Sunday when Tua Tungavailoa was taken out of the game, and now they travel across the country to face a red-hot defence. Miami are 3-2 on the road this year, but have given up an average of 34.2 points per game in those matches and are susceptible to big plays and long drives. Expect San Francisco to score early and often. My Drew Lock of the Week is the San Francisco 49ers minus four. I thought Tom Collins and I were friends. I thought we were working well together over on SBK Josh Extra. Backs against my, my Dolphins. You know what, Tom Collins, not only do I think you're wrong with this, I think the Dolphins win straight up. So this is brilliant because, and Crystal will back me up on this Mm because I texted him as soon as he sent me Mm -hmm. his Drew Locks of the week. And I said that I probably would have taken the Niners as my Drew Lock of the week if he didn't. He said, come in on it. He's, he said, come in on it with me. And I was okay. like, no, we've got to give three different picks here. We've got to, th- yeah, we're not going to give the same ones. I don't think that's fair mm. to the listeners. So I thought I'd go with the Raiders. But mm. brilliantly, the fact that you now, so are you going to counteract mine and Crystal's very, very sort of favorable pick of the 49ers? We're both relatively confident about it. Well, he's confident enough to make it his Drew Lock. Mm-hmm. I really like the 49ers in this matchup. Although I have to say, I was expecting Taron Armstead to be out. It is mm-hmm. looking like he could play. Big, that is big. a major, yeah, that's Lines a major one to watch. It's a Jeff Wilson revenge bowl, Propo, is what you're forgetting about this. McDaniel's going to want to flex against his former his former boss. Look, I, I understand. We talked a lot, actually, on the aforementioned Previous show with Christian Scott and Williamson about both of these teams and offenses. Christian picked his top five offices in the NFL. The the outlier, I guess, on paper were the 49ers, but as we established on the show, stats only take you so fast. They might look like they're middle of the pack in terms of numbers, but trending in the right direction, obvious reasons, picking up and gaining a lot of momentum. And they're going to be so exciting to watch in the in the run-in. Defensively, the best in the business right now. I so I'm 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 tongue is firmly 
in cheek saying, hey, I think the Finns are going to win and it's a homer pick because I want them. I think it's it's going to be, oh, I, I cannot wait for this game. It's going to be fascinating to see how McDaniel combats some inevitable, well, the first, the first, the first 10, 15 plays are going to be really interesting to see whether they can make any traction with those. And then as the game plays on the in-game adjustments, we'll get a real sense of how good an offensive mind mm-hmm. McDaniel is, I think, in this. And I feel there is, there's enough, I really, really like Wilson in, in this setup. I think he's added a significant dimension. I, I really think they're going to keep it tight. And if they're going to keep it tight, can they win? Sure. So, I it's it's interesting. You guys both go for the Drew Lock. We heard uh, Crystal's argument. What quickly? What's your argument for why they would have been your Drew Lock of the week? So my argument is for the fact that what we've seen from the Miami Dolphins in recent weeks has been incredibly impressive, but ultimately it's been up against some of the worst defenses in the NFL. It's been up against the Texans. It's been up against the Browns. It's mm-hmm. been up against the Bears, the Lions, the Steelers without TJ Watt. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a uh, I've always been fond of then going against that team that everyone's very high on because of the crazy run where they've been very impressive. But when you actually break it down on who they've been having that run on, it kind of undermines that because people don't tend to look at the detail in that sense. And I think that when you're going up against five of the worst defenses in the NFL, and then you go up, you go travel to San Francisco and you go up against a team that has just shut out the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. They are arguably the best defense in the NFL right now. You're going up against someone who knows your offense sort of inside out because of the fact of how familiar they are with each other. I just see this being as a letdown spot for the Miami Dolphins. The 49ers need to win this game because of the fact their record isn't necessarily as good as sort of their team suggests. And I think that they will be able to get enough going on offense. I think this could be a huge game for Christian McCaffrey. We haven't seen that much of him in recent weeks, but I think this is a game where they incorporate and bring out all the tricks because this is the game where they need to. And -hmm. I think this is where we see the best of the 49ers going up against a Dolphins team that, yes, obviously they have these explosive receivers in um, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but they've been going up against weak secondaries. And this is their sort of first real challenge whilst having tour on the field since what, when they played the bills and that crazy 21, 19 game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is going to be fascinating. I think this is the game of the weekend. It could even be a potential Super Bowl matchup when it all comes down to it. So yeah. it's very, very intriguing, but you have to go with the home team here and you have to go with the team that I know more about in terms of the opposition they've faced in terms of the teams they've already beaten so far this season. And on paper, I think the 49ers should be favored by maybe even four or five points in this matchup. However, that being said can you also argue the other side of it and maybe why I talked myself out of just going with Crystal and going with the 49ers Mm. where we haven't necessarily seen this Dolphins team go up against an elite secondary yet we haven't seen this Dolphins team as long as they've got as long as Tua's got protection from Nick Bosa as long as Tua's got enough time in the pocket I think it's insanely exciting to see what will happen. What will happen, Sunday. for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's absolutely one for the neutral, for sure. Just final word on this. This Dolphins defense, I think, underestimated. Top 10 in points allowed, top 10 in rushing yards. It's not a, it's not a 49ers level defense, but it's not as bad as people are making out. They're not as boom or bust as people are making out. I like this. I like this matchup for them. Uh, look, they're clearly the underdogs. And it is a definite, a long shot pick to say they're going to win straight up. But I would not be surprised if Dolphins get it done. All right. Time for the Taylor Heineke Acker. Back to Crystal Tom Collins. Three teams for this week's Acker, you say? 
Let's start with the obvious. I really like the San Francisco 49ers against the Miami Dolphins. Their defense should be able to match up with Miami's offense, while home advantage and their current momentum should make the 49ers extremely difficult to beat. Second up is the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the Atlanta Falcons. This market has the game extremely close. Pittsburgh are just one point favorites on the spread and 20 to 23 on money line. But they are 14 two and one against the Falcons in franchise history. Quarterback Kenny Pickett is beginning to make an impact and their defense has played really tough, especially against the Colts last week. Finally, let's add in the banker. The Baltimore Ravens will beat the Denver Broncos despite suffering another heartbreaking last drive loss last Sunday against the Jags. Baltimore has more talent in every position. They return to M&T Bank Stadium and face a Broncos offensive unit that just isn't firing at all. Don't forget the Broncos have lost seven of their last eight games and that drought definitely won't be ending against Baltimore. So the three selections for this week's ACA are the 49ers to beat the Dolphins, the Steelers to beat the Falcons and the Ravens to beat the Broncos. The treble pays just over five to two with SBK. You see, now now Tom Collins is getting cocky with with the doubling down on the Ravens in his Taylor. Well, I suppose actually it's logical if you go, if you're gonna have them as your Drew Lockett, it makes sense to have him in your Taylor Heineke Acker. But and who am I to argue with the brilliant Tom Collins? He is as proposed at the top of the show, one hundred percent. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Crystal, though, I have to say the one I have a little bit of an issue though there, and I really liked his, and he deserves credit for the fact that he picked Carolina to beat Denver last week. Mm-hmm. He's clearly mm-hmm. got a theme of just going against Denver, which is working for him. And I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I definitely would ride with that. that. Yeah. Falcons Steelers. I think the Falcons mm. might be they able just to come away with the win. That's a game I just look at. I think I'm not going anywhere near. That. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to predict. <laughs> but so the Steelers can't really stop the run that well. Yes, mm. I don't know why the Indianapolis Colts didn't run more on them on Monday night. It seemed like every time Jonathan Taylor had the ball, he had success. Yet they always just put the ball in Matt Ryan's hands. It's. I think that the Falcons have a great chance of beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Everyone's very high on Kenny Pickett going into this week, but AJ Terrell's back for the mm-hmm. Falcons. So as much as I love you, Crystal, and I love your picks, my fear is that I think the Falcons might be able to do a job over the Pittsburgh Steelers. I love the Steelers as an underdog. I don't like them as a favorite. Like every time I hear Kenny Pickett's name, I just picture him on some... You hate Kenny Pickett. I don't hate Kenny Pickett at you all. You hate think, Kenny Pickett. I don't hate Kenny. No, I it's just... very rare. Nat always, he loves like the sort of intermediate quarterbacks. You're always like very favorable on like Carr and Garoppolo. You think everyone's sort of out on them too quickly. True. But weirdly, like you've just got this weird hatred and vendetta against <laughs> So hate Kenny. It's the small hands, listening. isn't it? It's the small First, hands. It's the small hands. It he just, every time I hear his name, I just imagine him number four on the Billboard Country Top 100. <laughs> just, I can just see him. In the back of a anyway. Um what did Pickett ever do to you? Yeah, don't mind Kenny Pickett. <laughs> I want to silence this rumor right now. First you try and stir up me and Mayock. Now yeah. had Mayock's back for years and you, you stir that up. Uh all right, we're gonna wrap with the propos prop beds of the week. What do you got? Yeah, speaking of that uh, Falcon Steelers game, actually, I'll start with George Pickens over 46 and a half receiving yards. I know you're a big fan of his, Nat. He's usually that guy who always has sort of one of the, uh, you know how they say like goalkeepers do it for the cameras. I think he has a lot of catches for the cameras, George Pickens. There's always something in there. You always see a highlight reel of his. He does entertain, that's for sure. Did the shoe as well on the uh, after his uh, two-point conversion as well, which mm-hmm. is not entertaining, but I'm team messy, so I'm not a massive mm-hmm. fan of that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, going back to his pick, George Pickens 
over 46 and a half receiving yards. The Falcons are 30th in defensive pass DVOA against number two wide receivers and are without key cornerback Casey Hayward going into this one. You could argue mm-hmm. that Pickens has emerged as Pickett's primary receiver this week and going up against a Falcons secondary that will have AJ Terrell, which will cause problems for Deontay Johnson, as I've already said, but that will allow more space for Pickens. My second one, that's, this is going to seem obvious, but I do think mm-hmm. the bookies consistently underrate this man and that's Derrick Henry over 84 and a half rushing yards in his last nine games Derrick Henry has gone over this number seven times and the two times he didn't were against a DJ reader led stout Bengals run D and the Broncos D which literally has to play out of their skin every single game to keep it competitive (laughs) I like this matchup for Henry going up against an Eagles team that's conceded on average 120 yards per game this season on the ground and then my next one is Austin Eckler over 39 and a half receiving yards Vegas has been especially susceptible to receiving production from running backs as the Raiders have given up the third most receptions, the third most receiving touchdowns and the most receiving yards to the running back position. That naturally means that Austin Eckler is going to have a big day. He has led all players with 15 targets and for the year, he's number one at the position with 98 targets. So, Austin Eckler over 39 and a half receiving yards, Derek Henry over 84 and a half rushing yards and George Pickens over 46 and a half receiving yards. Love that. Uh, incidentally, the Titans Eagles is one of the games we're covering on SPK Edge Rush Extra with Crystal Tom. Uh, you can find that over, well, we'll put a link in the show notes here. You can find it over uh, on pod platforms such as the SBK uh, betting podcast or uh, head on over to YouTube as well. Watch the watch it over there. Same thing on the SBK channel. Before we go, very quickly, one answer. If I guess if my... Baker's, what are we, what do we call it? Baker's what? <laughs> Baker's bold pick. Oh, we haven't bold given pick. our Baker's bold pick of the yeah, week. Yeah, well, we? I guess mine's Miami, right? So yours is Miami and I am going to go with Cincinnati Bengals. Let's go with our two teams. <laughs> okay, fine. Love that. I love yeah. that. Let's go out in style proper. Uh, brilliant. Great stuff, man. Always a pleasure catching up with you. We are back with FFS. That will drop tomorrow. I think it will be Friday. Depending oh, you're going to turn up for this one, are you? Oh, fair play. Well, did you turn up for the uh, midweek show with Christian? No, you didn't. Did you turn no, up for the show? With... Were you there with, for the Ben show? Yeah, you were. Yes, I was there with the Ben show. It's all blowing into it was one 9 right a.m. Now. as well. I was completely out of it. Yeah, but that was an early start. That is in the vault. It's a great show as well. Iron Mike's back next week on Monday. Also next week, we got Chris from National Vintage League dropping in. And of course, Channel 5, fame to boot as well. So he's going to make his show debut, National Vintage League. I know there are a lot of you out there. Uh, that are big fans. And if you're not, well, he'll tell us all about it. Uh, and we'll talk a bit of ball too, of course. So he's dropping in. We've got more Edge Rush, more FFS. I am Mike back in the house. Sounds like we're set proper. Yeah, we're flying. We're absolutely flying. And uh, yeah, and that is two and 10 with Drew Locks. Don't forget that. Mm, it's not a marathon, it's a sprint. <laughs> all right, I have the Raiders. I have the Raiders, I've been saying all season long. We'll see ya. Uh, see you Friday for FFS, Monday for Iron Mike's show. And of course, next week for more Edge Rush. Bye for now. Podcast Network.